It's happy hour from Central City, New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. We're at Casa Borrega on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard right at Felicity Street. Casa Borrega is a bar, a restaurant, and a live music venue. Check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And even better, come down here and have a drink. Come and have a drink with us or come and have a meal. Listen to some music here anytime you'd like. In the next 60 minutes here at Casa Borrega, you're going to meet just four of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans. And you're going to hear some live music as well, correct? Yeah. Thank you. At the end of the show, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music, but you probably know that already, so let's get right on with doing nothing, but enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together. My really interesting bunch of guests sitting around the table here are two interesting women and two interesting men. I'll introduce you to them in this order. Cherry Brown. Hi, Cherry. Hello. Making a return. Yes. To happy hour. Cherry is an independent burlesque artist, a burlesque educator, a burlesque costume creator, a stage manager, and kitten. Hello, what does that mean, kitten? <laughs> a stage kitten is somebody who is basically the stage hand on stage. They're a pretty girl who's able to pick up the clothes and moves everything around on stage as well. I believe Panty Wrangler is also accepted mm. nomenclature for And this I was job. just in Texas, and they called theirs bunnies, stage bunnies. Hmm. Let me add that. <laughs> also a stage bunny and panty wrangler. Cherry combines <laughs> a traditional burlesque buxom... Oh, my God, I can't read this. Cherry combines <laughs> a traditional burlesque buxom beauty with her precise hip shakes and quick steps that make an audience beg for more. Sweet Miss Cherry Brown can be seen regularly in New Orleans at the Burlesque Ballroom and more frequently of late across the country. Mm -hmm. You're heading out of town. Yeah, I'm doing a lot out of town. Uh, New York, Texas, Florida, and hopefully next summer I'll be in Australia. Really? What do they call it there, I wonder, when it goes the other way down the drain? <laughs> the panties. It's still burlesque all over. Is it what's well, a panty wranglet? <laughs> yes. Gig, I wonder, called. Sitting to my left, Mark Pagani is back as well, making a return to Happy Hour. Hello, Mark. Thanks Hi for there. coming back. Nice to be back. Good to see you. I'm glad you're still alive. Mark is a professional <laughs> photographer, an author, a mountaineer, a musician, and an Ironman triathlete. You must have one hell of a heart. Mark has photographed expeditions around the world, attended over 450 weddings. Is still an incurable romantic. Doesn't actually say that here, but no, it I said that. that here. And scaled <laughs> mountains in Argentina, the Himalayas, the French Alps, and in North America. Mark Pagani has won awards for his travel pictures. The Artistic Guild of the Wedding of Wedding Photojournalists has named him one of the top ten photographers in the world, the known world that is. And he's a brand new book called Fearless Photographer Travel. And if all that isn't enough, check this out. He's just back from climbing Mount Everest. Yes. <laughs> well, not exactly, I but I'm back from Everest, yeah. Back from <laughs> climbing a part of Mount Everest. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You've been closer to Mount Everest than anyone at this table. Anyone yeah, who's been be anywhere near the Himalayas? No, Nepal? No. Yeah. Eric, you went to Nepal ever? Close. Not even close. <laughs> no. Okay. Debbie Davis is sitting to my right. Hi, Debbie. Hi. Debbie is a singer and stupendous ukuleleist. In fact, New Orleans' premier ukuleleist. Premier female ukuleles. Oh, who's, I, I the, who's the premier male ukuleles? I don't know, but they're a feisty bunch. I don't need any of them coming after me. Is there another word like panty wrangler for ukuleles? God, I hope not. There's no euphemistic term for ukuleles. <laughs> Debbie moved to New Orleans in 1997 and has recorded since then with a who's who of New Orleans musicians, far too numerous to enumerate. Wow, this is a really interesting script today, but including everyone from John Boutet to Alex McMurray and Harry Shearer from Spinal Tap and The Simpsons. Debbie's been the voice of the Zatarans commercial and for the last 12 years, one of the three voices in the vocal trio, the Fister Sisters, with whom she performs all over the city, across the country, and around the world. That's all true. That's all true, That all that stuff I read. So far. Okay. How uh, is it going? My name has an E in it, actually, too. Debbie ones. Davis has an E. What, does Davis have an E, too? No. There's just one E. No, D no, no. D-E-B-B-I-E. -B -B -E. There you are. But your real name is Deborah, I assume, is it? 
Oh, that's a little personal. Her real name is Steve, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's too personal. Let's save that for a couple more cocktails in. Come on, Mark. Okay, all right. Sorry, we're not going to get to your real name. I don't want to blow anything. Eric Heigl is sitting across from you as well. Hi, Eric. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Eric is the drummer. The, a, a drummer, not the drummer. He's New Orleans' premier drummerist. Is that a word? Oh, no, I don't think so. But it's like, a, is ukuleleist a word, actually? Of course it is. It is? What is one who plays the ukulele if not a ukuleleist? Well, why isn't drummerist a word, then? Because drum is the instrument, and drummer is one who plays. How about drumist? Drumist. 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 Okay. Yes. Eric is New Orleans' premier drummist. What's that, Chris? <laughs> Percussionist. Percussionist. Oh, okay. All right. I'll say that again. It's like panty wrangler. Panty wrangler. <laughs> Eric is New Orleans' premier panty wrangler. Music producer. He's a sound engineer, and he's the founder of What Noise Studios, as well as the creator of, and this is awesome, the Bloody Sunday Sessions, which are a web-based video series of stripped-down musical performances that take place in the back of an iconic New Orleans mule-drawn carriage. Have you guys oh seen these yeah, things? Oh, yeah, I have seen this. I saw one with the Soul Rebels. And really I cool. saw one with Mashia Lake, and my husband did one with you with the Tin Men. Your husband is Matt Perrine. 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 Aurora. You say Perrine, I say... No, Let's hang on. Let's call the whole thing up. Yeah, sorry. He's a tubist, by the way. Tubaist or tubist? Tubist. Because a tubaist has no A in it. Ukuleleist has no E at you the end. See? And percussionist... There's something else. <laughs> the idea for the sun <laughs> Bloody Sunday Sessions was born on a break from a recording session while hanging out on the balcony of the Pontalba building in the French Quarter, and the name Bloody Sunday Sessions has nothing to do with history, which is just as well, because I didn't know that was a historical reference. It simply refers to the fact that the seasons, <laughs> seasons that the sessions are shot on Sundays, and everyone who participates gets a Bloody Mary. There you go. It's a darn awesome idea, Eric. How did you come up? Were you drunk on Bloody Marys when you came up with that? <laughs> You've got me. <laughs> That's not too personal of a question. No, sir. Is Eric well, Heigl your real always. name? You're always. Are you drunk right now? I am. Awesome. <laughs> so that part of it is trivial. The, uh, <laughs> the idea was that I had somebody recording in my living room. Who, uh, who was it? His name's Blake Hunter. He's from Charlottesville, Virginia. Really uh, incredible artist. And he was leaving the next day, so the idea was to do some sort of interview or performance some some way to document him being in new orleans making a record we're on the balcony yada 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 we see the the carriage is passing below because it's right there bordering jackson square and uh he just grabbed his guitar i grabbed my recorder and that's where it started did you are you a filmographer a videographer as well as top of all these other things amateur videographer and photographer so that's how you shot the first one you just went out there and shot it no actually my roommate at the time travis lauren dean he is more of a video guy than me. I was recording the sound. Okay. Yep. Now, that's a great name, Travis Lauren Dean, isn't yep. it? Sounds like, what should you be with a name like Travis Lauren Dean, Cherry? Well, he could be a boylesque performer. Uh, a boylesque? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know there was a boylesque oh, performer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Uh, it's all burlesque, but the, the men, some of them have taken on the title as boylesque, which means me male burlesque. So, and they're... They're quite creative. It's very amazing to Do watch. Do we have many of those here? They don't here have breasts, so they'd have to be creative. Yeah, they don't have breasts, but they, some of them wear I pasties. I have breasts. <laughs> well, everyone has. <laughs> Not yes. that anybody wants they to have, take a look they at have, They have pecs. To oh, some degree or another, oh, okay. everyone yeah. has breasts. Yeah, I think however. so. And some of them wear pasties. You know, some of them don't. But, I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch. They, they do do a lot. Well, um, they guys wear pasties? Yeah, sometimes. That just almost slipped by me there. What do you th Eric, would you do that? 
I'm not so sure about that. Are there gender-specific pasties, or is it just a, ma a female pasty on a male No, breast? I mean, they, they make different ones. Like, you know, sometimes they'll have, like, darker rhinestones or darker colors, you know, to, to look more masculine, and it's literally just yeah. small yeah, little ones. Because you don't want to look like a feminine pasty, after all, <laughs> if you're a guy, right? But it's, like, whatever their costume is, like uh, ours as well. Like, our pasties usually match our costumes or have, like, a contrast to our costumes. And so it's it's whatever their costume is is what it's going to look like. And what's a guy wearing? Is it, like, a so Speedo? Su or? No, suits. You know, oh. they, they wear suits, and they'll, they'll have breakaway suits that, like, have special snaps to where they can pull it, and it just breaks away. And, you know, they'll do all different dances. And when, so I was, uh, when I was stripping of the Sugar Shack up in Wisconsin, I had a, a gold LeMay breakaway that was all velcro so yeah it sounds very tasteful it was very this tasteful. is that's mark pagani saying that not eric heidel <laughs> in case you just, wanted to, yeah, just wanted to make sure that nobody <laughs> thought that you're a, a stripper and uh yeah and where not, not yet the chip in, in the sugar shack yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're still young it's completely made up you're but still it's, young. it sounds good you got, you got, can, you got some can, mileage on that we can thing, we right? can get you started did you last time you were here cherry this is all coming back to me now strangely that i it's funny that i remember this because we were talking about how you get some sort of nipple glue that sticks the pasties onto your nipples, remember? Yeah, we were. <laughs> well, why, how did we get onto that subject? And what was the big deal about it other than the strangeness that there's an actual spirit gum or something? I, think. I don't remember. the. Well, it's not a big deal for me. It's old hat. But I, I think we got on the subject because we started talking about the costumes that burlesque performers wear and then when i said pasties you were like wait what <laughs> and then i'm we sure i didn't say that do your nipples get beat up from pulling those things off and on no you make sure you don't like get it on i mean some people do i make sure that i, I just cover the area around it with tape like i use double-sided sticky tape so i don't it's I don't nipple talk with grant <laughs> morris <Morax. laughs> you use double-sided sticky tape on your breasts yeah wow it's called okay. top stick as you do as you yeah. do do you do that as well <laughs> Debbie, because you would... It's an awfully personal question. <laughs> well, first of all, you won't tell me your real name, and now you won't tell me if you've used double-sided sticky tape on your breast. you pattern yet? <laughs> this is going to be a long hour. I'm in the burlesque yeah. protection program, man. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. So you guys, you guys know each other. You worked yeah. together yes. in burlesque before. So Debbie, you were a singer in the burlesque show. I, I occasionally still am. I've worked with um, Bust Out Burlesque and with Trixie's uh, Burlesque Ballroom. I did a guest appearance at Fleur de Tees for their, one of their anniversary shows, and way, way back before Katrina was part of um, the Southern Jezebels and the, um, and the Shim Shimettes. I'm impressed you can even remember all that. Well, so there's a lot of alcohol. I'm impressed <laughs> too, quite frankly. Do we, do we have more burlesque performers per capita in New Orleans than anywhere else, or has every city got all no, these? No, uh, we we don't have as many as as more bigger cities. New York has a lot more than we do, um, and you know, San Francisco, I'm sure, has as a nice group. But I mean, it's it's pretty much just, you know, per city, you can't really judge like how many performers are because they travel so much or they move and everything like that. So a burlesque performer from St. Louis might move here and then another person from New Orleans might move to New York or Florida. So all of the burlesque performers are pretty connected. But we do have quite a bit here, but not as many as New York. I'd say New York probably has at least over 100 performers. But I don't think they have as many organized troops. No, New York do. doesn't do troops yeah. at all. Um, it's, all, it's all sort of a solo Yeah, New York circuit. does, does uh, shows. Like, they'll have specific shows that either happen weekly or once a month or biweekly. And so then they just have a rotating cast of people from the New York burlesque scene that come in and perform. Whereas in New Orleans, we have five different troops where 
people are interchanging with each other, but there's five specific troops that go by names and do shows. That's the sort of New Orleans way. Mark, New, Orleans, New Orleans has a really, uh, also has like uh, Bella Blue's um, School of New Orleans School of Burlesque, mm -hmm. which is really user friendly, a new user friendly, um, you know, inviting I teach pretty there much. Oh, do you? Uh -huh. yeah. um, you know, it's, it's reasonably priced. I think it's Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and, yes. and it's, it's, uh, how, it's a how great do you thing know, for new uh, people. How do you know all this? I'm good friends with, uh, with Leah Bella Blue. So. That's someone's real name, Leah Bella Blue. No, <laughs> her real name is Leah, but her uh, stage name is Bella Blue. Okay. Where is that then? You know what? I'm not sure. Do you it's know? Yeah, you would know it. You've yes, done I it. do. Yeah. I teach there sometimes. Um, it's at Crescent Lotus Dance Studio on Calhoun Street. It's uh, 3431 Calhoun. Oh, that's right down there by uh, Tiz Frostop. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. It's like diagonal from it. And she does um, burlesque classes Tuesday nights at 620 to 720 and Thursday nights 715 to 815. And they're only $10 to 6 come in. and 20 Uh-huh. Because there's other classes that happen there. So... It's in between different classes. It's like NASA. It's like finally time. There's belly dancing you classes and all hip hop classes. Jet, like there's all different classes. What time is the hip hop class? Seven oh six. I have no clue. <laughs> six. That's an eight oh eight. Of eight course. Eight oh eight. Very good. Great minds think alike. You too. You yeah. can always just check their website. That's uh, CrescentLotusDanceStudio.com. Okay. Or New Orleans School of Burlesque. Very good. Okay. So do you know these other? Women who are in other cities in New York and I do. I is know. Is there like a I sorority? A um, I guess you could consider it a sorority. We don't fight as much as a sorority, um, but we all are connected. You know, thank God for social media. But also because people travel down mm, here I don't think to I've perform. I've ever heard anyone say that actually. <laughs> thank it's God for social media. It's useful really. for burlesque because that's how we make all of our connections. Like if we want to go out of town and do like a month long tour will have known some people that have come in here that are from New York that have come here to perform for like a week. And we email them and be like, hey, I'm coming to New York, these so-and-so dates. What kind of shows are up there? Is there anything available? And then what they'll do is they'll, they'll vouch for you and they'll send stuff off to other people and that's how you book shows. So it's so useful to have social media to be able to see what shows are going on because of Facebook, everybody has their event in invites and everything. So you can see what shows are going on, what months, who's running it, you know, who you got to talk to to get into it. And so do you, it's so do you know, wonderful. Do you know the girls who work on other places on Bourbon Street, like on the strip clubs as well? Was it a different mm -mm, no, class of people? No, I don't know. I mean, you know, some, pe some of the girls know each other, but I think it's just because they know each other as friends, not because we're burlesque dancers and they're strippers. That's not how they got to know each other. They knew each other as friends. How do you get to meet a stripper? Money. To become frank. I have, yeah, I have, <laughs> I have no a $10 bill. Exactly. <laughs> I don't, I unfortunately, I know, I know none of the strippers. I on think Bourbon there's Street. a, there's a misconception that stripping and burlesque is the same thing, you yeah. know, so therefore they should know each other, but burlesque is definitely a, yeah. a totally different ballgame. And what do strippers they get say? More. Strippers <laughs> come yeah. on stage naked. Mm -hmm. They come on stage naked. You mean, they end or up almost naked? naked. Yeah. Almost okay. naked, naked yeah. enough that you're pulling out money before the music starts. Yeah. What Which is, is the idea, as I understand it. Yeah. What and does a stripper say is the, her, the de definition of her job compared to yours? Then? You know, I don't know. I've never, I've never interviewed a stripper. No, actually, you don't know so any strippers. Mark, do you know any strippers? I don't know any strippers. Mark, do you know strippers? I do know a couple of strippers, but uh, I think, I, I, you know, just my own personal observation, I think stripping is not so much about um, uh, a show as it is about titillation. Whereas burlesque combines both. It seems like it's, ab it's about actual performance, um, very creative costuming and all that kind of stuff, and doing some titillation at the same time. I'm going to hire him to do all of my interviews from now on. <laughs> okay, you can be like the publicist for the... <laughs> Eric, do you know any strippers? 
Um, not personally that I can. <laughs> not personally. <laughs> Actually, like I know some if I do, if I night. do. You know by I reputation? Do, uh, yeah. I'm not sure. You don't, you, don't know, you don't know they're a stripper if you do know them. You mean? Yeah, exactly. That would be a surprise. Correct. Well, where do you do most of your drinking? At Pals. home? At home? Pals. Pals. Pals Lounge. Oh, my God. That's a good spot. Yeah, love it. How so I get that transferable employee discount because I work at One Eye Jacks. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same <laughs> owner. 50% yeah. off. No, it's like if you work at the Gap, you get a discount at Banana Republic. It's, it's, the same it's pretty much the same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you get have, you, have you checked out the book behind the bar at Pals, the Playboy uh, Entertainment Drink Mixing Guide? No, not it's yet. It's like this thick. For those of you in <laughs> radio, <laughs> it's, it's like two this inches. <laughs> and it's basically a catalog of cocktails like any kind of cocktail has been made in the last 140 years different ways to plan parties mm -hmm. themed parties and all of the the publishing of the book was supervised by hugh hefner it's pretty boss wow. <laughs> cool. so yeah what, what do you Got do it. what do you do at one eye jacks are you, you i'm you the production manager oh okay that's a good gig it's so you must cool. hear some good stuff because they have some interesting bands come they through do. there they do who have you heard who was good lately that we should check out um let's see i mean they all kind of run in each other. You I can't remember anything you, you were drunk? Probably the most notable show I saw there was um, Fleetwood Mac guitar player. What's his name? Uh, John McVie? No. No. Um, Mick Fleetwood? No, no, that's not. Um, no. Peter, Lindsay Buckingham. Peter. Lindsay Buckingham. Lindsay Buckingham. Oh. Yeah, that was probably that the best too. show I've seen there. Wow. I wouldn't yeah. have expected you just to him. say that. And he gets to see burlesque there all the time. Yeah. yeah. He gets to see me and everyone wow. else in Florida Tees. Yeah, we do the whole season of Florida Tees. So it's like eight, sh I think, eight shows in a year, right? Every month, something like that. Ten, I do Ten? believe. Yeah. There's yeah eight we do a lot there's of eight months in a year, so that would be right. What's that? There's eight months in a year, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's about right. Okay, Debbie, yeah. joke's over. What? Time to play, <laughs> time to play something. Wow. What do you think? Th this is the most direct you've been with any of us. I know. What, what it's time to get on with it. Well, I was just thinking we haven't heard anything, any music. And That's we've been true. sitting here for, I don't even know how long, like eight minutes, three 20 minutes, minutes. Four, 20 minutes already. If that clock's right. I don't think it is, but okay, it could well. be. I don't know. I don't know either. It's, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> so my party, what are you thinking? Of, I s you've got your ukulele. I do. Here. I, it's, I don't what? mean that to sound nearly as threatening as I'm sure it does. No, it sounded quite friendly. Well, yes, good. Yes. Well, we'll see. How did you pick up the ukulele first? Did you start off well, with something with else? Well, with my left hand. Okay. Oh, did you start off with something else and work your way... Um, I started off trying to play the guitar, but I cut my hand really badly when I was uh, 20. I won't say how, but it uh, severed a tendon in my left hand. That you won't say how. That sounds interesting. It right there. It involved alcohol. I don't really ah. want to go into it. Um, <laughs> and he looks over at Eric when you yeah. said that. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> uh. Speaking of which, I noticed... You want a drink? Would you like a drink? We yeah. Someone has to reach over and grab that picture of... Yeah. Uh, of whatever's in it. We don't have any support staff here today. It's, it's the just us. Stuff. I'm trying to play catch up with you guys. Hold on. Oh, this guy. Okay. Well, Eric, can you just bring the picture over if you want? If that would be, I mean, you're the professional. Electronics <laughs> and liquid. Yeah, I know. Don't do it. Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. Don't do it. Sorry. It's a stupid idea. So I sustained yeah. a pretty bad cut that severed a tendon I can still my left see hand. the scar, yeah, actually. Nasty, oh, my right? God. Look at that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's actually stitches underneath that scar. Wow. Still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. What did you... I mean... Really hardcore. Yeah. It was at a wedding. Oh no! A wedding injury. Oh, mm -hmm. did you do it on a bottle or on a fence or what? Uh, it, it's so stupid; it almost doesn't bear any discussion. But suffice it to say, it made doing bar chords on a guitar almost impossible. Wow! So uh, I picked up the ukulele about, I guess it's almost eleven years ago now, 
And it was kind of on a whim. I think I had seen, I, I think they'd been showing the jerk on <laughs> AMC a lot. Right. And I had, you know, been watching Steve Martin play the ukulele, which there's almost nothing sweeter than that. And uh, I went and got myself one on, I think on eBay, and started playing it and then bought myself a real one. And once I realized how easy it was to play and how versatile it was and how it kind of lends itself to different styles of music, I started telling anybody who would listen to ukulele is going to make a huge comeback and everybody laughed at me. And now it is literally everywhere. You can't watch 20 minutes of television without hearing it on two commercials. Yeah. And I think uh, the, the <laughs> bands that are popular these days like Mumford & Sons and a lot of more folksy bands have become mm -hmm. more popular. So you're, gonna, you're, you're hearing more banjo and ukulele and all these kind of more it's rural true. instruments, I think. And, and even people like... Um, I can't even remember his name, but that, that hey, soul sister, that starts out with ukulele. Oh Whether yeah, you train. like it or not, mm. it's top 40 now. Yeah. yeah. It mm -hmm. has infiltrated the collective subconscious and cannot be ignored. So well, here's to the ukulele. Take let's, that, let's music. Yeah, here's to it. Cheers to the yeah. ukulele. Yeah. What do you, um, yeah, bottoms uh, up. Chin chin. <laughs> wow. What do you uh, think the reason for that is? Well, it became really popular in the 20s during the Depression because everybody was getting kicked out of their houses or having to move. There was no television, obviously, and radio was a luxury for a lot of people. But you needed to be able to entertain yourself at home. And people couldn't afford to keep their pianos. People were burning their pianos for firewood during the Depression. It was that bad. But a ukulele was small and inexpensive and portable, and almost everybody could afford it. But and how it did was easy to learn how to play. And how and did it get popular again, though? You think we're going because well, of this economic... Well, small and... And expensive and it's easy to play. I mean, a lot of the same, same reasons. Do you think we're at the same point we were in 1939 or whatever? I think it's a resurgence. Of yeah, yeah. That wow. I think it's a resurgence of like older time music because we've we've hit this point in music where everything is like it's all the new dance crave and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But people are starting to, to break it down and go back to the roots and be like, why did that sound so good back in the day? Mm. Like, why do we still listen to that? And I feel well, like the ukulele is like something that continues to come up as a base for, for most music. And I think a lot of people too are starting to take take it to themselves that they can create music. They don't have to learn mm. how to play the piano. They don't have to go to music school. They don't have to even learn how to play the guitar. Mm. They can pick up an instrument and learn how to play it in two weeks. Yeah. And, and the, the ukulele, ukulele is that simple. Itself. Well, I mean. Let's get a lesson. Uh, I, let's get a lesson. That's we could all, by the end <laughs> of the show, we could all play something. I can guarantee you that if you spent three afternoons you would learn enough chords to play half the Grateful Dead songbook. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not a denigration to the ukulele or the Grateful Dead. I'm just saying. It's just a fact. How <laughs> many chords a in a Grateful Dead song? Pretty, not many. Uh, 50, 60% of them have four or five chords. Then you get another real trippy, crazy... Heady. How much weed should you smoke 14, before you start playing songs? <laughs> yeah. How much weed should you smoke? Yeah, before you start. How much have you got? Oh, right now, I don't have anything on. Chris is holding well, damn, it all man, in, why in, you in the bag. Up? But how much should you smoke before you start taking up the ukulele? If you listen to this, say, you know, somewhere else in the country or even in New Orleans. Well, I'm certainly not advocating or condoning illegal drug use. But well, it's not I illegal everywhere. There could be people listening to this in Colorado. Hypothetically, if one were to have, say, an unlimited amount of marijuana, yeah. I would say... Uh, more than you should smoke if you're planning to drive, but less than you would smoke if you're going to, like, watch the wall. 
<laughs> wow, okay. that is that's that is a scientific. Uh, actual that is actually yeah. good, like range. Like a, right yeah, there. very good. Scientific you know, measurement. There's a little wiggle room in there, but you yeah. know, don't okay. get too messed up, man. Or you're just gonna wind up playing a G major all night. Right. That's, this sounds. That's not good for anybody. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best chord ever. What I should totally do is make some macaroni and cheese and play more of this chord. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. When we come back from the song, we're going to talk about climbing Mount Everest. Mm. Ooh. So yes. I think I'm, we're all dying to hear about that, right? I am. I yeah, am. I, I don't know anyone so who's been I. anywhere near Mount Everest. I wanted to hear about it before the show, and you wouldn't let him I tell the story. I had to tell story. you, no, don't tell it, because I want to tell it during the show while so we're we sitting here. So we had to here. talk about lesbian weddings instead. You yes, better not make this anticlimactic in any way. And we can we can talk we can talk about lesbian weddings as well though because I'm sure anyone who just heard that is going to say I'd rather hear about lesbian weddings than Mount Everest surely. And I actually get killed. Ooh, I just ruined it. You get killed. Yeah, you get killed on the lesbian wedding. No, I never. I don't remember. I was there. I don't remember that at all. Are you actually here now? I'm not. This is a hologram. Shit. Okay. God, this is scary. Okay, Debbie, what are you going to play for real? I'll reach. Yeah. Taking off a jewelry. Serious, man. Okay, here we go. Don't make any sudden movements around the ukulele. <laughs> Like everybody who's super talented, it just looks so easy. But that did not look simple to me. I was watching you play that ukulele. That is not that is that's easy that's as that's you like sell yeah, it. Five thousand more chords than I've ever seen playing on. Yeah, played on ukulele. yeah, that was it's tricky. It's got an A flat seven in it. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Now do a sharp thirteen. Sharp thirteen. <laughs> yeah, that that looked actually complicated. It sounded very very slick and sweet, but it looked she good. It looked wants me difficult. To you always make me want to take my clothes off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mark, I was thought that you hear was... Hear that, fellas? <laughs> 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 that's my job. <laughs> you can take them off if you want, Sherry. It's okay. Debbie Davis always makes you want to take <laughs> your clothes <laughs> off. That's a I should put that on sticker. my business card. Yeah. yeah. Mark, yes, tell us about climbing Mount Everest. 
you went there. You're a photographer. You didn't go there as a mountaineer. You went there as a photographer, right? You this got time, yeah, this time I was hired by a mountaineer, uh, an explorer named Mark Wood, a British explorer, who, who uh, crossed the North Pole and the South Pole in one year. And uh, his main sponsor, Skype, wanted him to also do Everest as a third pole, essentially. Um, and, of course, there were, there were a lot of jokes about, you know, pornos that we would we would make called the, th third, the third pole, pole you know oh that's <laughs> awesome um, yeah. climbing the third pole. climbing the third pole, third pole revisited yeah. slippery third pole nice. you know all kinds of things like that so anyway uh, <laughs> that didn't actually happen but it, we, we put the idea out now so who the, knows the internet's amazing yeah. i bet we could have Some, it done someone's gonna week. do it someone's gonna yes, do it climbing the third pole. so yeah i got hired to do that and um it's a long trek in um to to ever space camp uh long long, long journey and all the way we were shooting, I was doing both video and uh, still photography for him. And my job was to, to go to base camp and spend a, a five days or so there shooting a bunch of stuff for him and shooting a little bit of him actually starting the climb in the Kumbu Icefall. And then- In the what? In the Kumbu Icefall, which is this oh. huge, uh, just like house sized blocks of ice. Um, it's basically where the glacier from the upper portion of Everest comes down. And it's basically like a, a sea of ice, and it's constantly changing every day. So the Sherpas have to go up every morning. You can hear them when you're in the tent at, at base camp, like 1 a.m. They're, you know, 10 p.m. actually. They're getting up, in, and you look out the look out your your tent flap, and you see these little lights going up into the Kumbu Icefall, and they're resetting the route because you have to put ladders across these huge crevasses, and you have to do s um, special ropes and all this kind of stuff. So every morning they're up there redoing. They're they're the kind of they're the heroes of of the Everest climbing as the Sherpas. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, so I spent uh, about five days there at Everest Base Camp shooting all that stuff. Can um, I just ask you a quick question? These guys are up the mountain at 10 p.m. Is it, is it dark? It's real dark, yeah. It's, they're, they're in all the middle of the night, they're on Mount Everest setting up the thing for yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, well, when, like you, when, you go, when you climb each day, actually, and this is, this is true of like when I climb Mount Rainier or Aconcagua in, uh, in, in South America, summit day especially, you start like at midnight or so, so that you're up on the summit about 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and then you're on your way back down while it's still cold enough um, because if you wait too long and you're coming oh. back down in the middle of the day, Sorry. that's when the, the snow gets really soft, and that's also when crevasses open up or crevasses that are already there, um, the, the snow, the hard snow that's covering them gets soft, and you, it's when you, it's, it's much, yeah, it's much more dangerous to. to why, why do you want to do this? Because it's there. Yeah, I mean that's that's stupid, that was that was George Mallory. That's what George Mallory said back in the '30s. But uh, what, what motivates you to get up and climb a mountain? I like it just. I like it for several reasons. I really like traveling to really unusual places, like really remote places in the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so the process of getting there, just the journey, is you know 90% of the enjoyment for me. Um, and then the other 10% is, is the, the challenge. I mean, it's, it's incredibly difficult. It's, you know, the higher, the higher you go in altitude, the less air oxygen there is. So the more difficult the breathing is and physically challenging and mentally challenging, it can sometimes be incredibly terrifying, you know. Um, so just getting over all that is... can sometimes be incredibly terrifying. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's pretty you're not straightforward. Scared at all. Sometimes, no, I, I wouldn't say that I'm always scared. You know, there's, there's definitely... A lot of time you're just traversing a glacier and it's not particularly, you know, it's always a little dangerous, but it's not terrifying. But then you get into positions where you're in a really steep slope. I climbed a, a mountain in, uh, in Iceland called Hollandjukar and I was unroped the whole time because I was shooting the other climbers climbing up below me. And ah. so I was on, you know, 90 degree vertical, vertical slopes. With a camera. Using, yeah, with a camera, two, two cameras actually. 
and an ice axe and you know hoping that I that my crampons and my ice axe are going to stick each time I, I kick him into the into the ice and you know stuff like that's that's pretty scary and you're getting paid a lot of money for that um yeah i'm a, i'm actually a billionaire i didn't know I if you knew that i certainly hope so <laughs> Because no. you're climbing vertically up a mountain with an ice pick with a camera in your hand, shooting other people. Yeah, you'd think that would be like a pretty high-paid gig. It's not, you know, it's it's it it's pays not. the bills. It's he it's at least has life insurance. Yeah, who I think would, who I would think insure you? Do you get insurance for this? It is tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have insurance think. now, but uh, getting insurance was tough, definitely. Um, so anyway, back on Everest, we. Uh, I was wondering how much you're worth if you fall off the mountain. Who's yeah, who's um, going to get it? I'm I'm going to put you as my beneficiary. Okay, that would be yeah. great. So okay, thanks. Well, there are no <laughs> mountains in New Orleans, so it's going to be hard to yeah. find something to push him off of. That's I right. hope nothing like goes Monkey wrong. Monkey Hill, you might sprain your ankle. So there you are on Everest, being sponsored by Skype, which is the funny part. I suppose they wanted they wanted to make a call from Everest. Well, what we did is uh, the entire way up, um, at each little village, we contact, and I say we, I mean the the team, and especially Mark Wood contacted all these schools that were following us on uh you know on facebook twitter um and they were getting a lot of education about the different areas that we were in so it was a it was a very interactional uh, interactional is that a word interactional interactionist yeah exactly that's what i was looking <laughs> for mm -hmm. um thing where where the kids would get to learn a lot of stuff so every evening we would actually do uh, we would set up this thing called the began which was a, a satellite remote satellite dish kind of thing and we were able to video Skype with. And they can get Skype to work at Mount Everest. Well, with without this dropping, thing. it doesn't yeah, say sorry, you had your connection's not yeah. good enough for video. <laughs> well, I can't this get phone reception in Kenner half the time. <laughs> How is this even? A I can't get thing. Skype to work one I call know. without it saying you don't have right. a high enough bandwidth or something for right. video. Would you Netflix like to stop? House. Well, you guys don't don't have this, you know, multi-thousand-dollar began unit that oh. you're carrying around everywhere. How so do you spell began? I'm going to look into that. I think it's a I think it's an acronym for something. It's B G A N. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, we we used that, and and everywhere we went, we were um, skyping with like uh, Africa, um, Australia. I think we we talked to New Zealand as well, um, in the UK, and there would be whole classrooms of kids who would be so excited to, yeah, to see cool. us. It was really cool. That really is cool. Um, yeah, and then so uh, what happened? Well. Um, the last day that I was at Everspace Camp, um, I was in the dining tent and I was handing a chair to somebody and my back completely went out. And so the next morning, it was, next morning I was supposed to leave to head back down and it was difficult to even sit up. I had to have somebody pull me out of the tent essentially. And that Did day they video that? No, I wish <laughs> they should have. That really. sounds great. Yeah. Wow. Your back is so sore that you can't even sit up and it's nice to pull you on the ice. And you yeah. out of your sleeping bag, out of a tent. But the ice is good for your back, right? Hey, I'm good point. To ice on oh, for that's a good minutes. point. I should just lay it on the <laughs> ice the whole day. That's a good point. See, you got to bring me with you next time. I guess so. Yeah. So that. What was did you do though? How did you? It was miserable. It was very painful. Uh, the next day, we started heading down as we were scheduled to do, and each village. It takes about six days, six seven days to get back down from base camp back down to oh the, the 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 um, six landing seven strip days. called Lupa. Yeah. And so the first day was really miserable. Um, uh, that night I got into a little village and had really bad fever. Um, on top of your bad top, back. And I had really bad uh, gastrointestinal stuff, which you get every time you go to Nepal because it's, you know, it's in the water, it's, it's in, the, in the food, it's in Nepal. So that night, um, couldn't sleep, couldn't sit up, had to pee into a bottle, like lean over on one side and pee because I couldn't get up to go pee. Oh my and God. Are uh, you sleeping by yourself? Or in your yeah, own was, no, I was in my own, own little tea house room. Please tell me this pays more than you said it did before. <laughs> <laughs> Just go back and sort of um, summarize where we are now. You're, you're, you're on the end of day one. No, actually, on the way down. So yeah, on the, on the way down, but it's going to yeah. take six or seven days to walk out. I'm, I'm end of day one. 
So you've I check got, in a, you've heli got, a helicopter. You're peeing into a bottle. Right. You've got upset stomach, some yeah. sort of diarrhea. Or you've yeah. got fever, which right. is from what? The same thing. And you've thrown your back out. And, and you can't walk properly. So it's and you've only got six days to go, so yeah, no big deal. Yeah, only six days, so no problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what temperature is it? How'd you like the play? How cold is it? It's cold at nighttime. It's, you know, 10 degrees, 15 degrees. It's not too comfortable. But that morning, a helicopter landed right by where I was. By sheer chance? No, they were picking somebody else up who had who had you know health issues, and I asked if I could get on with their <laughs> health. Like, can I pay you to you know be part of this? And they're like, no, we're already full. And so I inquired, and it was going to be four thousand dollars to get a helicopter <sighs> up there. And the only other option is to hop on the back of a yak and take a yak all the way down. But with my back, <laughs> there's just no way it would have been with your back on a yak. <laughs> my back on a yak. That sounds like a Dr. Seuss kind totally of thing. Totally does. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what does I a yak look like, just as a matter of interest? It's very hairy. It's very long-haired. It looks a lot like it's a, a horse or a moose. Or no, it looks a lot like a um, like a buffalo. Buffalo, essentially. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's got like these a round, long-haired you know, buffalo. Yeah. Sherry, how did you know that? Have you had any interactions with a yak, or are you just well educated? <laughs> I I just educated i uh i don't have any experiences with yaks you've never met a yak no i've never met a yak never met a yak i didn't like <laughs> <laughs> i've never met a yak i liked so <laughs> where yak okay <laughs> so that so, there you uh, so you didn't want to take a yak i didn't want to so take you didn't want to spend four thousand dollars on a helicopter yeah and i didn't know them know if my you know health insurance covered it whatever so the only option was to continue walking couldn't you call someone on skype and ask them hey does my health <laughs> insurance <laughs> really yeah i actually did at that point isn't skype owned by microsoft by the way i don't know i don't know which is owned by Halliburton, who can probably get you health insurance. <laughs> probably, probably. So that day... Um, okay, so we're on day two now. It's the morning. Day two on the way down. Helicopter's um, taken off with someone else. What exactly. was wrong with that guy? I don't know. I don't I, know I'd like ask. to know what qualifies him as having health issues and you having to walk. Yeah. Well, he he had had no, 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 no. He's getting the he helicopter because he, had he money, has health issues. But he had money to get out. That's what it was. He's got better health insurance. Oh, I guess. That's the health issue. Yeah. The health okay. issue is money. <laughs> That's Obamacare. Kind of like a stripper. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Starts with a $10 bill. Starts with a $10 bill. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was supposed to take me t four hours to get to the next village, and it took me 12 that day. It was just It's like evacuation. I, it was <laughs> miserable. Is yeah. it contraflow? It was, it, there was, <laughs> there was contraflow going that. on. Yep, exactly. Um, I actually just, that's almost a serious question for a moment. Are there people going back and forth on Everest? Are you walking past people like, morning, morning? Yeah. Like, you know, they're yeah, you do, pretty much. There's a whole stream of people going up, up and down and then the some mountain people that are going time. down. And a lot of people need to use that same rope to go down, so you have to wait until the people come up. And it's, it's only it one track. There's not two. Yeah, there's exactly. not like, like a highway. It can get to be heavy trafficked. Heavy can it really? Wow. Yeah. Is that, is it, does someone organize all you this? Would is think there after is yeah. all the years, they would have a, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I was actually at a meeting at Everest Base Camp where they were talking about, okay, this team, we're planning on going up this time. When are you planning on going up? We don't want to all go up at the same time. But what happens is they end up all going up at the same time because there's only a small window of weather. And when the weather is looking good and you've got clients who have paid $65,000 to go up, climb up Everest, you know, you don't, you don't wait. And so that's why it gets all, all Who are they all paying $65,000 to? The to the outfitters who, who arrange it all. The guides, essentially. So that's the Sherpas are making all this money? No, not the Sherpas. Th that's the bad part. Is the Sherpas make hardly any money. So it's there's some sort the of middleman tour guide type people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Is that the country of Nepal? Is that the Himalayas? They're in both sides, but is it? Yeah, it's, it it's goes Nepal, Nepal. But you can also go up from the the Tibetan side. Right. Yeah. Which side do you go up from, Nepal? The, ne the I Nepal. I was the both both times I've been there. It's been Nepal. And but if I you went up from the Tibet side, is it easier or harder or the actually same? Actually, that's not true. The the very first time I went to Nepal, we did a trip, uh, one week trip across Everest, and I w I went to Everest Base Camp on the Tibetan side. So I guess I've been there. I've been to the Nepal side twice and Tibet once. Um, Amazing. 
So yeah, long story short, I, I eventually um, called Mimi, who you know. Yes, who was she was on our show with you yep, last time you were yep, on. Yeah, and uh, she was awesome. Skype. Yep, I actually used Skype. Okay. And she was awesome. She contacted uh, the health insurance provider, and they said, "Oh, sure, we'll cover it." Of course, long story about that. But so that emboldened me to go ahead and spend the the twenty. I got a special rate because I know somebody, so I got twenty six hundred dollars for a helicopter ride out the next morning because I couldn't really walk. And that was pretty amazing. I took advantage of that wow, and took great, cool. great yeah. video and great photos from up high, which I had oh, never wow. gotten before. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of sweet for me. And they took me right to the airport and uh, hel- uh, ambulance was waiting for me at the airport and brought me to a hospital in Kathmandu. And they were awesome. I mean, just I had my own room. I had two doctors attending to me all day long. I had IVs. I had blood tests, the whole deal. Really, really great, great, great um, healthcare service. And when it was time for me to leave, they gave me the bill. The, hel- the ambulance ride and all of that great health care cost me $303. What? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So amazing. It would be cheaper for us to go there Let's all than go to go down to, you know, Baptist. I will go to Let's Tibet go. and yeah. get all of my medical needs Seriously. taken yeah, care and of. And then come on yeah. back. And it will actually be cheaper than, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. We'll all Nepal go to Kathmandu. Nepal <laughs> care. <laughs> I like the sound of it. Kathmandu care. What's, what's, uh, <laughs> what's Kathmandu <laughs> like other than the inside Kathmandu's of the hospital? is really, really cool. It's, it's always been one of my favorite cities to be in. What does it look like? It's um, narrow streets with tons of, at least the, the tourist area, Tamel, is a ton of little shops. They're all trying to sell something. Um, very narrow streets, um, lots of smells of incense, lots of, you know, uh, Indian-ish music, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. Did you buy it. some music and bring it back with you? I did last time I was there, yeah. I brought some, some chants, some monk chants. You know, it's funny, I hear that they really, really like American jazz there. I've heard from more than really? one person I haven't heard that they that. really like it and that they've been working really hard to try and get people in there to play it there you and go. try and get musicians in to do it. And the last time they did, there was some sort of uprising and the prince or some member of the royal family. Yeah, member of the royal family killed his entire family. The prince killed, killed the yeah, king. Yeah, there was like a crazy huge massacre. internal yeah. uprising. Like, yeah. like Macbeth or something. Yeah, yeah it exactly, really was. except yeah. not as cold. Right? Yeah. Good heavens, when was that? When was that? That was like 2002, 2001, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, it was right after. So right are you saying, Debbie, that people don't want to go because of that? No, it's got I, a bad I'm name saying that the they closed the borders. When that happened, they yeah. closed. There, there was a, I was it's, actually, all, it's all good now. I was actually supposed to be going over there, and they closed the borders because Prince Crazy Pants. <laughs> that's actually his name. <laughs> it <laughs> is his name. That's his real yeah. name. That's his real, the translation from Nepali is Crazy Pants. No, I think that's actually what it is, Crazy Pants. Yeah. You had a tour to Nepal? I was working with a clarinet player who was working on getting a tour over there, and we were starting to get our visas taken care of, and all of a sudden... That's from here in New Orleans. Yeah, you the got hummus it. hit the fan. The hummus? I don't think... What do they eat over there in Kathmandu? Hummus is another part of the world, I think, maybe. Yeah, it's not so much hummus. Um, eat with their fingers? Everybody eats so chickpeas. It's, it's a lot of things called uh, mom- momos, these little kind of uh, dumplings. Uh, which are really tasty. Yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of chickpeas, a lot of dal, a lot of dal yeah. bot, yeah. a lot of dal bot. Very similar to India. Wow. So you got back okay? Yep. What actually, when you were in hospital in Kathmandu, what did they diagnose you with? What did you got? It was um, dehydration and... Oh, that is so ridiculous. You don't know how to... You don't drink enough water? You've been <laughs> There's climbing snow mountains... everywhere, man. And you've been climbing mountains for years? I should snow. And you're yeah. a triathlete and you didn't know how yeah. to drink water? Yeah, that's bad. What happened then? Um, really, why did you get dehydrated? I don't really know. There was a little dehydration, but mostly it was the gastrointestinal, like a, a bug, bacteria in there. And then the back issue is something I've had in the past, so it was just kind of aggravated by. How um, how psychological is that back issue? 
Um, when you're actually climbing or no, when people say that back, you know, back problems when people have a bad back, it's got some sort of psychological. It's not just all physical; it's psychological. Is that I true? Know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that stress adds to bad health in general. So, but I don't know. No how idea. How you sit, how you stand, how yeah. you walk. Yeah, I think it's more of a physical thing. Yeah. 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 I was wanting to get onto Kevin Costner as well as a subject today. Kevin. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have a thing to say about Kevin Costner. Nothing. Anyone? No. Eric, Except that Robin Hood movie was just a mistake from start to finish. Oh, that Other was than that. Um, yeah. I like to bring up Kevin Costner wherever possible. That's, that's, that's a good idea. Most I actually, I actually made out with him twice, but I don't like to talk about it too much. I watched him make out with him twice. It's a personal question, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. very personal. That. It's now very you personal. know my pain. Eric, have you got anything to say about Kevin Costner? <laughs> Um, Listen to this story. Is there a question behind the question? Yeah, because I know something about you and Kevin Costner. That's why I brought <laughs> it up. That's why I was late here. I was uh, doing a favor for Lily, his his daughter. Lily Costner is Lily in town Costner. in New Orleans. Yes. Today, and She's she was my coming. Future over girlfriend. She just doesn't know it yet. How old is she? Old enough. She's old enough. <laughs> to be. I just I wanted to check say, on she's that. She's not twelve or anything, is yeah. she? <laughs> well, she won't be forever, right? Well, they, they nice answer, mom. They do grow up. <laughs> I have two boys. Whatever. Don't judge. How old are your boys? <laughs> Nine and six. Okay, that's a serious amount of work there. Yeah. Now, when do you want to go to Kathmandu? <laughs> or or anywhere? Wherever I don't okay, so, find me. Okay, so so Lily Costner is Kevin's old enough to be your girlfriend daughter. Correct. Who came by today, and she's obviously good-looking. By the she sound is, of it. yes. And um, what is she coming over to your house for? Just because she's attracted to you? Um, she is in music. She's a singer. So is he. He has a band, right? He does. And um, his band leader and her are working on some music. And uh, I was accommodating them and uh, let them borrow some equipment. They have to borrow it. Kevin Costner has they got they so did many. Offer Kevin they did offer it. It's and you the said, old, that's did the you bait. Say they that offer? Robin Hood money's not coming <laughs> over anymore? How did they not He had to sell Field of, Field of Dreams, so. <laughs> <laughs> if you sell it, they won't make money. <laughs> <laughs> what are they borrowing that they don't have? Mic stands. Mic stands. Wow. Well, that's hard to travel with. Yeah, yeah. that is a pain in the ass, mic stands. I get it. Right, because it screws off and you can tilt it sideways and slide it in. I don't yeah, think. So I don't think. What, <laughs> are, what, are we what did you just about? say? Screws off and slide it in. Okay. So yeah. they come over. To, how did they find you, of all people? From the One Eye Jacks? No. Um, a friend of mine, a filmmaker that I'm currently mixing a movie for, is working for him while he's in. Not film. Travis. No. The different one. Different one. What are they making here? I think it's called Black and White but he's starring in a movie that's been filming here for the last couple of weeks and this is their last weekend in town so this is kevin costner is starring in a movie here correct not yeah. called black and white though i think that is the name of the film that it's is black the name of the, film. the theme song okay. is uh Eb ebony and ivory by paul mccartney <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. i feel like i'm on a so show of guess who it's like all right so what's <laughs> what's what's his daughter lily doing here she's just hanging out she travels with him yes but they're they're uh composing music for the film Oh, cool. His band leader and his daughter are involved with the creation of the soundtrack. Okay. This is all confidential information, by the way. Apparently, we're not supposed to know this. This is <laughs> well, all embargoed all until so the film right? comes yeah. out. That's true. That's true. <laughs> who will know so on the internet? They come over to get the. Uh, no, no one goes on the internet, right? Thank God for social no, Prince media. Prince said it's Thank dead. Thank God for social media. So, Prince? Prince said that the internet is dead and closed down that his means website. It's dead. That's because no one's buying You must be talking right about now. Prince Charles. You mean the <laughs> that one too? The artist formerly known as Prince? No, who? That one. Really? Yeah. He hey, do that again. Who? <laughs> yes. That's Michael Jackson. That's awesome. 
He shut down his... Give me more vodka. You'll be amazed what I can do. You can have some more. There's tons more vodka. Uh, Somebody wants to go grab that picture. No, not Prince Crazy Pants. The actual. Prince Figures. No, the other... Slay. The the artist formerly and now currently known as Prince. (laughs) The boat anchor formerly known as Prince. He He shut down his website. He declared the internet was dead, shut down his website, removed... He has no internet presence. Google search Prince. Well, I declare that the internet is open. Yes. And guess we're what? We're talking about it, so he's so Jerry good Brown for him. Declares yeah. the internet yeah, is no, open. He's, 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 he's smart. He's an evil little genius. Yeah, <laughs> if you um, if you YouTube like him and try to look up his his music, you can't That's find fun. any videos like unless somebody's wow. like. Maybe it was all a videos. dream. Maybe That's he never funny. existed. Right? Like you, because you <laughs> died. You're not on Oh yeah, you didn't got. You didn't get to the bit where you died on Mount Everest yet. So, Prince is off the internet. You cannot find any Prince music on the. Is it on? He took it all off himself. So if anything's on there, it's like illegally put on there by other people. Well, that I'm are sure they fans. take that down quick enough. But yeah. <laughs> what about on iTunes and so on? Can you still you can't yeah, buy he's any? He's taken pr- everything. Really? He's taken everything. I wonder where he got that idea. Like I guess he's last, sort of had a mental breakdown. Really? Yeah, Again. <laughs> Again, yeah. yeah. Crazy. What is he doing? He's uh, he was in he's Las bored. Vegas or something. He's What's got it? enough money. I think the internet is dead is code for I've got enough money. I'm out. He's like, I've got enough money. I'm swimming in it like Scrooge McDuck. I, I'm okay. <laughs> I wonder if he's trying to start some sort of a movement where, because wouldn't you love to get off this whole thing except for thank no, God for this? No, except no. for wonderful <laughs> quality shows like this. Well, yeah. this is awesome, yeah. of course. Yes, this is, but wouldn't you like to get off Twitter and Facebook and all this bullshit and Instagram I, and just no, I can't say, fuck it, I don't care anymore? Speaking of Instagram and Twitter, you can follow me at Cherry Brown. <laughs> Two ends on the brown. Um, brown. Yeah. Yes, I noticed that you have two ends on brown. That's very... Um, that's because idiosyncratic. Else Someone else oh, is called else Cherry Brown. Cherry Brown. She looks nothing like me. Who <laughs> is she? I have no clue. And there's, Cherry o- there's, and there's other Debbie Davises as well. There are enough Debbie Davises that I probably don't need to be one. But I have a good friend named Debbie Davis. Well, see, there she you go. There's another she's Debbie Davis dead. in New Orleans. Why don't like you declare? That's, that's who. Yeah. See, there you go. Why there's don't you declare th- Debbie Davis is dead then? Like Prince. But then I'd have yeah. a lot of work to do. There's so many you others have to do all the, You have to do all the Debbie Davis. Yeah. It's and like Highlander. And some of the Debbie Davies that are mispronouncing their names. They're just, it's it's it, it's because it's, it's French. It's a lot of legwork. It really is. Yeah. It's actually Welsh. Yeah, it's Welsh. Well, Eric Heigl has a very unusual name. Are you from here in New Orleans? I was born here. The name is originally from Alsace-Lorraine. And it was Hugel when they came over to Ellis Island, H-U-G-L-E, I believe. And they Americanized it upon their arrival in, in the States. Do you have much family here? Because we had somebody else who was on our show who was Tina Jameson. Do you know her? Tina Jameson. Yeah, she's no, got a band called Smashing Blonde. Who's got something to do with her name was Heigl or her mother's name? And my neighbor's name is Jean Heigl as well. Really? Yes. Have a look I'd on like our... I know that the, um, our, the, you know, the internet's dead, but if you look on our Facebook page, it's New Orleans, you can see videos of my neighbor, Jean Heigl. She's, she's pretty articulate and interesting. Nice. Her cat, check it out. Her cat talks, and she built her own car. <laughs> That's all I'll say about Jean Heigl, but she's, right. probably, she's probably some relation to you. We're talks. probably related, I would assume. I would think so. Yeah. Hey, um, if we're going to listen to another song of yours, we have to do oh. it pretty soon. Okay. Do you want to play one, or are we going to take a listen no, to a little bit take of one? one off the record. Okay. This is a song that uh, actually a current, a recent uh, person who was on this show, Alex McMurray, wrote this song for my last record, and he plays guitar on it as well. Uh, I asked him for something kind of peppy and happy, and he gave me an uncharacteristically sweet and sentimental song. He is so a sort of romantic at heart, Alex really McMurray. Even is. though he comes across sometimes Aww. as curmudgeonly. He comes across as a little bit grumpy or angry or misanthropic, and I, 
imagine all those things are true, but he's also just about as fuzzy as a human being has any right to be. And a hell of a musician. Indeed. And smarter than all so of us So what is the name of this song? It's called I'm Looking at You, and it's available on my almost new record, my current record, shall we say, uh, which you can find for sale at debbydavismusic.com. And it's called? It's not The Years, It's The Miles, which is also the title of another song that Alex wrote. It's not The record. Years, It's The Miles That's by right. Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E Davis. Yes. On iTunes. D-A-V-I-S. D-A-V-I-S. Music.com. Once I was aching and always breaking And all my birds, they were blue But now I see what heaven sent me Cause I'm looking at you It had a very Alex McMurray kind of sound, actually, that song. Well, he plays guitar play on it. Ah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. And um, how's the record doing? It's, it's doing okay. I have a bunch of copies. They're doing just fine. Yeah? Yeah. It's selling, people buying this but sort of stuff? They are. Hopefully more people will continue to buy yeah. them. I, it's I beautiful. I understand the internet's dead, but, you know, I'm Don't still worry. selling shit there, so. It would be amazing if we left here today and we walked outside from Casa Borrego and then we found out that someone told us, hey, did you hear the internet's dead? <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it really no was. It was all over. And Al Gore is very unhappy with it. Well, well does he, get, he gets 10 cents every time someone says internet. 
Nice. He doesn't seem unhappy. Mm-mm. So the record's selling. Eric, what's going on with this, the, the Body Sunday sessions? Where are we? Because, I mean, you, you, you raised a whole bunch of money on Kickstarter and yep. rocked the thing along. Now, so it's happening now, for real. It is happening. We got 12 videos uh, up on the interwebs on our website, bloodysundaysessions.com, which is basically streaming them from YouTube. We have about 12 of them shot and not yet edited. You have 12 more you've done. Yes. So you Who put else? Pitch. I'm I'm curious um, to know. I like the ones I've seen. We have unreleased. We have Aurora Neeland. Nice. Um, cool. That was the one that Matt was a part of. Yeah. Um, Terry Reed is pretty cool. The the guy who said no to to uh, Jimmy Page to sing for Robert Plant. Um, Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears. Um, who else? That's all I can give away now. Okay, that's all we can reveal right now. For the, for the rest. So you put them in the back of the, of the buggy, and they can go anywhere they want. They decide where they're going to go on the tour while they play. We talk about it ahead of time if they have an idea. Um, the next idea, we're going to take the buggy on, on Everest, and we're going to start that's shooting that's some videos up there. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure the horse doesn't throw its back out. $65,000. They're actually going to get a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> It'll cost you $65,000 to get... To Everest. Jump Unless Mark can well, yeah, but I'm, gonna hook, no, I'm, I'm actually going to pay for it because I am the billionaire photographer. You forgot. So. Oh, that's a good right. point. Okay, yeah. so you yeah. can pay for the. You He's can sponsor. Yeah, brought to you by <laughs> MarkPaganiPhotography.com. <laughs> exactly. And I'm doing burlesque in the cab while Debbie plays. So very we're nice. Either. Where yeah. are you going with your burlesque show, by the way, Cherry? Um, and we can I am look all for you. over. Um, the next one in town is going to be August 30th um, on a Friday. And that's at midnight. It's a free show. It's at Urban Mayfield's Jazz Playhouse. We do it every Friday night at midnight. Every Friday night at midnight, we every can Friday find you at... Every Friday night at midnight. In the Royal Sinesta Hotel, Urban Mayfield has a little um, area, and it's called Urban Mayfield's Jazz Playhouse, and we do burlesque there every Friday night at midnight. But to just to stay up to date on where I'm going to be in the world, it's uh, www.misscherrybrown.com. And this brown only has one end. Yes. Miss Cherry Brown. M-I-S-S-C-H-E-R-R-Y-B-R-O-W-N.com. Okay. And, Mark, you've got a book that out that we haven't even talked about at all called oh Fearless my. Photographer Travel. Look at the size of this thing. It's huge. Look it's almost as big as that, <laughs> that book thing. that's behind the bar <laughs> at Powell's Lounge. Wow, Mark. What, look at all these beautiful photos in it. And, and t- did you write the text as well? Yeah, I did the whole thing. What? Yeah. Man, you are like the real deal. <gasps> yeah. oh, you climb mountains, shot. take photos, write a book. Yep. Listeners, are you must go- get this book. Are you a good cook? You can't see it right yeah, now. Yeah, I can no, cook. This, I, this can book cook. Is I don't do it radio. often, but I can cook. How come you're still single? Well, you know. No, I don't. That's He's why I'm single, asking. ladies. What's Man, are, you, are, you pro- are you propositioning me again? Well, yeah, I, I know. Like I did it, last it, time it didn't too. work last time because you were hooked <laughs> up, but now you're single. <laughs> you're, the, you're the real <laughs> thing. Look at these photos. He's an Aries. He's single, ladies. And he writes books and climbs mountains. And he's good looking, right? He likes long walks in the rain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He likes pina coladas as well. (laughs) No, I think he likes vodka. That's like the third one. We're we're Mm -hmm. all drinking way too much here. Tell us, hey, tell us something about this book, and then we're going to get out of here in a moment. It's a it's a book for either people who are really into traveling or into photography or people who are into both. And it's definitely it's a how-to book essentially about uh, becoming a great travel photographer. So whether you're a professional who wants to you know get into travel photography or if you're just an amateur who likes to take pictures on your vacations but wants to get better pictures it's it's all about that There's so if i take photos on my iphone and 
Can I improve yeah, my certainly. photography by buying this book? Yeah, there's all Fearless Photographer Travel. It's really yeah. a great looking book. It's on Amazon. Yeah, it's, it's on Barnes and Noble. It's you know pretty much your, your local. So bookstores. I open it to a random page and I find these fucking flags again. There's there's oh, uh, so Mount Everest. These flags yeah. are all over New that's Orleans. That's the Kumbu Ice Fall right there. That's Tracy, where it is. Tracy Thompson. Yeah. The Dalai Lama. The yeah, Tracy Thompson. She actually really? made some and I brought them to Mount Everest Base Camp and, sh- and took photos of them at Did Mount you? Everest Base Camp. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. And how long do these things take to decompose and go away? <laughs> is it really? I mean, how many, how many of these flags oh, are all yeah. over New Orleans? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, really. The, uh, for the Dalai Lama yeah, season. yeah, yeah. They're everywhere. That's what I'm saying. No one takes them down. Though. That's the problem, yeah. I mean, at least maybe we'll get a, you know, a tropical storm and we'll blow them away. I'm leaving mine up because uh-huh. every time they flap, you know, they're sending Light all their prayers, their prayers up to... to <laughs> I didn't say hurricane. Yeah. Does it, do your prayers actually <laughs> go up? That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. idea yeah. Of, of a prayer flag. That's the concept, right? Yeah. And if that really worked... Well, your back wouldn't have been thrown out. You that's wouldn't have been throwing up all over Everest. Buddha was not watching What happens if me? you throw up? You didn't bring your Did you bring your prayer flags on that trip? Yeah, that's the trip I brought. Oh, so that's, yeah, it didn't what, work. What yeah. happens when you throw up and it's like freezing? Does it stay there forever? It, yeah, you can, you can so well, like you know, you bury it in a crevasse pretty much, your throw up. And, you know, there's Gorax. These raven-looking things will come and eat it all. So. They're called Gorax? Yeah, there's a place what called Lord Gorax Shep. thing are we in now? <laughs> there's a place called Gorax Shep, a little village called Gorax Shep just before Everest Base Camp. Okay. Fascinating. It is. Gorax. Okay, so I think we've covered the whole thing. That's happy hour. It's all over. And we no, didn't oh, we aw. didn't get there's so much stuff but I didn't I'm get still to. Happy. It doesn't feel over. Well We're we don't we don't call that happy hour because it's an hour. Oh. Hey, um we didn't even get to the vinyl stuff. I want to talk to you about vinyl records, Mark, and we didn't yeah. talk much. We'll get to the Costners. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the you and Miss Costner. You should invite us I'll keep all you informed. Back. Okay, yeah, keep TM us up to date with that. They'll be, they'll be on TMZ. Come back and have this exact same okay, party you want to do it? When? Yeah. Like three months, six months? How long will it take for us to have got somewhere? <laughs> I didn't stay for another hour. How difficult I'm is it? I'm going to the North Pole in, fe- in February, so I'll come back and talk After about the that. North Pole trip. Yeah. Ooh, it's yeah. exciting. wonder what, what's going to happen at the North Pole. I'm going with this. It's called Ohio. Thank you. Try the veal. Thank you. Dip your waitress. That's a different kind. There's no pole dancing in. Burlesque, right? There is oh, pole yeah. performers. Yeah. yeah, there's performers that do Performers pole. who are Polish. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's there's a whole different... And on that note, I think we're going to have to leave it. Oh. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> that's been Happy Hour for another week here from Casa Borrega. Our guests have been Mark Pagani, Eric Heigl, Cherry Brown, and Debbie Davis. I'm Grant Morris. The producer of our show was Graham DePonte. <laughs> Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. Dr. Cliff Brigden is our web designer and link to the real world. And our intern, who is actually not here today, is Caroline Kaufman. Our theme song was written and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products around, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Aero Studio monitors, and much more. You can visit PreSonus.com on the internet if it's still going. For more information, if you'd like to be on our show and can stick around and knock off about four of these pink cocktails in an hour, drop us a line. Our address is on our website where you can also find many more other happy hours to listen to, including some of our other shows. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti from Commander's Palace, Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Page, True to the Game with the fabulous Chris True, and Tammy Nelson, Vietnam, our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community, and Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada. You can keep up with us, thank God, for social media. On Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other times, sucking social media on all of it where it's New Orleans. If you listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher, thank you for subscribing. Take a moment to rate and review us. That will help other people find us. Our show is recorded live today, as I mentioned, at the fabulous Casa Borrega on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. It's a bar, it's a restaurant, and it's a live music venue. Check it out on Facebook. 
and Twitter and thank God for social media. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Andrew Duhon's back next week from England. Till then, I'm Grant Morris. Thank you for joining me. This is Happy Hour. <laughs>